Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. John! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot route! I don't. What is hot route? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Down! We call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. It's time for the Soonerscoop.com postgame show presented by Eskridge Lexus in Oklahoma City. Eskridge Lexus is the official travel partner of Soonerscoop.com podcasts. Now, here's your road crew, Carrie, Eddie, and Bob, wrapping up all the action and reaction from this week's game. Under our belts, the Sooners beat Kent State 33-3 in a, uh, the first night game on Owen Field with the LED lights. And it wasn't pretty until uh, the halftime speech from Jeff Lebby and Brent Venables woke this team up, well, especially the offense up. Uh, they score 24 points in the third quarter and find some big-time playmakers, Marvin Mims. Uh, you can add Drake Stoops into there. You can add Eric Gray into there. Uh, but even Marcus Major had some really eye-popping moments, uh, and this offense, Dylan Gabriel, kind of figured it out. Uh, the defense was solid throughout, 14 tackles for a loss, uh, less than 300 yards total o- total offense given up uh, th- by Kent State, and uh, Sooners are 2-0 moving on on a crazy Saturday of college football. But, man, it was ugly for the <laughs> Until the last series of the first half, it was just, I think a lot of people were going, what is happening? After the first two series, my first, and look, I, I should preface this by saying Twitter's insane. Right. Uh, and you get a lot of people just throwing tantrums. The natives tantrums. were restless even in the stadium, though. D- down, like you oh, felt yeah. it. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. There were, there were murmurs. After two, well, they're used to the Spencer. They don't realize they don't sure. have a Caleb Williams sitting on the bench. But especially when Kent State starts moving the ball there before, you know, OU starts calling the timeouts mm-hmm. right before halftime. And it's like, okay, like, it, first off, it, it almost well, kind of surprised the, me that break I... break the seal on the scoring. But today. then I'd look up and i go, oh my God, there's five minutes left in the first half and OU's down three to nothing to Kent State. But, like, I mean, like they said during the post game, it something sparked there on that final drive. It was it, ugly it, for a while. It was almost kind of somebody uh, pointed out on uh, Twitter that it was almost kind of reminiscent of exactly what Baylor did in 2014, where it was just like, "You guys are going to play back. We're just going to pick you down the uh, right down the field mm-hmm. over on that same sideline too, over on the west side." Yeah, and uh, you know they got Marvin Mims. It seemed like they found a rhythm, and then obviously they hit him over the top of the big one, and uh, the rest was history. Uh, there was a lot of good, uh, but you know, again, I will say this. I mean, to me. My problem watching it from the press box is just the offensive line was not very good. They're just not. I mean, it's just not. They're great not. Right now. They're not they seven, playing at a championship level or even they close had, to. They it. had seven yards rushing. I know with at halftime. Like yeah, it, Mo- and it was it. 
it was zero for the longest time. I mean, they, they did not run the ball, and it was almost like uh, yeah, Kent State was playing an odd front, uh, and they had trouble matching up with it. Like, people were passing guys off to other guys, and then they weren't picking them up. Uh, and it was just awkward. It yeah. was like, it was... It was one of those things. It's like, boy, these guys really don't get it. And then uh, Dylan Gabriel didn't have time. Or I, I think what we saw also is kind of what goes back to last year. Receivers could not get open. Sure. Like it, troubling it at a troubling like, rate. It seemed like a couple times he had plenty of time and just held on to the ball. Uh, I don't know if he didn't want to take any shots down the field. But once everything started going, it was amazing how efficient everything was offensively. Right. The bad thing is... Is one the game last going to save this whole entire offensive <laughs> line? Like, seriously, like, I, that's to the point, I think, where the fans right now, and especially people on the board, it's like, okay, we'll see. They've said that people are playing out of position. Does Wanye Morris solve everything when they go to Lincoln next week? And Brent Venables did say after the game, I don't know, it kind of seemed like he they, they expected that. He gave hints that, like, yeah, the expectations are that he will be back. Now the, and the, he's been practicing, so it's not like... He's just been sitting around, sure. and he's got all this rust that's yeah, built yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, He's been practicing. Yeah. He just can't come to the games. So, I don't know. I mean, it's probably not as simple as that. I no. mean, certainly, uh, McCade Mattire has you know had some ups and downs. Yeah. Um, Chris Murray seems to be solid, uh, but it there's nothing like dominating. The right, it doesn't seem like the right side of the offensive line is that big of a problem between uh, Chris Murray and Anton Harrison. It the left side tonight, the, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you, you're looking at it, at I look at it differently. The, you're right, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I don't know, though, man. It just seems like they're getting no push up front. No, Especially I early. I agree. And, I mean, it, it's kind of like what we talked about during the postgame show last week. I like Eric Gray. I think he still has a role in this offense, but... The feature back? No. The, the feature back is starting. Like, Although it feels I will like say that's this, starting though. to turn. They they gave Javante Barnes more chances yeah. tonight, and he sure. looked very average. I mean, he ran tough, but it's not like he was picking the perfect. I mean, it's it, not like there were a bunch of holes there yeah. that he found that the other running backs weren't finding. They, I mean, all of Eric Gray and Marcus Major's damage came on the edges tonight. If I mean, if you want to talk about a tough runner, and I know that it was kind of mop-up time, but... I know where you're going. Tawi Walker, I man. Know, like, I know. He's just a little bowling ball. I, it could be interesting. I mean... Marcus Major looked good, though. Oh, he that, did. Like the touchdown run when he breaks it outside, that looks smooth. I, I hate to say this, but and it's the number, but he's so Nick Chubbish to me. Like he's not Major? Nick Chubb, yeah, yeah. But he he gives me a little Nick Chubb feel. Well, he has a good feel for it. It seemed like, and I don't know if like Demarco was chewing his ass after the. Touchdown I think he was, yeah, for like the little high step. Yes. But he's like just get up field. Yes. But it was a very. Uh, we noticed that up in the press box. It was a very. Let's just say Demarco was very. Uh, firm with his words yeah. it looked like on the sidelines as he met him off the uh, just get into the, the end zone don't celebrate yeah. until you get in the end zone it, it it's one of those things 33 to 3 it's it's a solid victory but nothing else i i don't feel differently about this team i than mean i, did I think it is something one. else i think it is something else i mean i think you've got a team that struggled in the first half and figured out a way to put it together to me that means something sure to me the, the connection with Marvin Mims, I mean, let's not pretend like Dylan Gabriel and Marvin Mims have been on a football field oh. in a game that matters before. Yeah, no doubt. And I'm not saying that this was like, you know, the Red River rivalry, but those two basically picked up this offense on their own and said, we're going to wheel this thing forward. Sure. And then you get 
the contributions from Gray and and Major and 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 Drake Stoops and Theo Weiss has a little bit here and there. I mean, a lot of guys got targeted tonight. And uh, Daniel Parker, I Daniel thought Parker he did some really good stuff. He had I th- what do you have five catches at Missouri and he had two on uh, one drive tonight. <laughs> and you know he looks like a guy that never gets to carry the the football and wants to prove to everybody. That he's a he dice, just like you know, wraps it up. He's like you're you're not only going to not tackle me, but I'm going to carry about four of you with me. Braden Willis had you know the drop. He walks yeah. into the end zone if he gets that. Yeah. The uh, the ball to Jaden Gibson. He walks into the end zone. That was actually a really good play by the Kent State defensive yes. back. The the one that he kind of threw on a rope. Yeah. That yeah. Was, I mean that was a hell. Of a that was play. a great pass breakup. Yeah. Are we just uh, conditioned to start offensively because? I guess, you know, the story tonight, I thought, was a really strong defensively, even though there were some lapses, uh, you know, occasionally tonight, and you go, oh, yeah, that was the team that missed tackles a year ago. That that was the guy that missed some, some, some action. To me, the story of the game is, and it's probably not fair to highlight it because a lot of people did good things, but... I'm starting to see Danny Stutzman He's become a stud. A stud. Yeah. He, I mean, that's the, and it, it's like, I think everybody expected him to make that jump under Brent Venables, but some of the plays he made tonight, particularly the, you know, the play on the fourth down stop, the plays that he would make behind the line of scrimmage. It's like he's starting to see things a little bit. And I talked to him a little bit about after the game about it. And it's like, yeah, the game's starting to slow down to me. And that's good news considering he's only technically started eight quarters in his OU career. But, I mean, that's starting to become a guy that's like, that's a Buckus-type yes. linebacker. Like, yes. the first time in a long time that you can say, that is a guy that you can build this defense around. And same thing for Billy Bowman. I mean, I see more more instincts out of him than I ever did Kenneth Murray in his yeah. entire career. Yeah, he's starting, to, he's starting to read things, and he's meeting people behind the line of scrimmage, which, you know, I, Kenneth Murray, obviously, he made a plenty of, uh, Danny Stetsman had four career, tackles but, for losses tonight. Four. And he had 12. He led the team in tackles. 12, in 12 tackles. 12 tackles, yeah. And he had a sack. Dude, the guy's, I mean, he's he's actually emerging and developing under, you know, in front of us. And give it up to Justin Broyles, 11 tackles on yeah, the night. Yeah, like we've given him a lot of shit before, but Key Lawrence he was well. out. You were down there on the field. I was up there watching him at the press box. Like at the end of workouts, like he's wearing his bucket hat and, yeah. and just street clothes. But he was little, literally jogging across the field, so Brent, I don't know that it could be anything that serious. Brent shed light on it after the game. Basically, said he tweaked his hamstring, and you know, I I think that's a deal that he's gonna, he's going to be playing yeah. next week when they go to Lincoln for the first time. But I mean, that's I mean, that's Key Lawrence in the lineup. That's a that's a drop off. I yeah. mean, Broyles played great tonight. Yeah, but, Justin played well, and Billy Bowman a strip sack. Or not strips. He a forced fumble and recovery all yep. in one. Yep, that was impressive. They did, you know. And I, I, I hate to sit here and pick on the guy, but you know, you get on Twitter, you get into text groups during the game, and it seemed like, uh, you know, in a, to a certain extent, Deshaun White's kind of become that whipping boy that everybody likes to say, like he's out of position, he's missing. Was it as bad as people are 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 making it out to be? No, I don't think so. I, I, I didn't see any. Here's the thing about this defense. I don't. There may be a whiff tackle here and there every once in a while, but those guys run to the football. And sure. those guys, when a running back comes through the hole, it's very rare that they don't just stand him up and push him back. Like well, it, there's it, not not a whole lot of that like scrum that develops. Like enough OU defenders descend on a running back to make to 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 get it to the point where a scrum never has a chance to start. 
So they're never there's never a guy running for three yards that keeps pushing the pile to be four and five and six and seven. Like that's what's impressed me as much as anything. That that never has a chance to develop with this defense because everybody flies to the football. There was a couple times it looks like they were almost just almost too fast for the football. Like on the safety when they get bailed out because he steps out of bounds, it they just over pursued it right, almost yeah. and let him out. I mean, they had four or five guys in the end zone. Back there, and somehow the quarterback gets out, although he stepped out of bounds. He was so scared shitless, he didn't even know yeah. where he was on the field. Yeah. But, again, it's second game. It feels like another positive. I I didn't realize that that was the least amount of points that Oklahoma had allowed to an FBS opponent since 2017 until Brent said something yeah. after the game. Yeah, It makes sense. I mean, they've allowed 13 points in eight quarters. I mean, the only the only negative about tonight were the third down conversions that Kent State was able to get. And, yeah. I mean... You want to, you want to, you, you don't want to see that because we've seen too much of that over the years. But at the same time, three points, three less points. than three hundred yards total. Three points, less than three hundred yards, and and wh- the thing I like about this defense, in the two games they've shown us, they'll bring in backups and they don't give up points. That's the biggest thing for yeah. me, and especially in, or in let like, people back into a game. Right, right. Oh, I I think that you know, and I hate to just continually compare everything to last year, but. That's a game that might be closer in the third quarter with a different set, you know? Yeah. yeah like, Kent State was in the ball game, No doubt about it. But they kind of put their, you know, it, it, it's kind of like everything that was said during in the red room. You're saying if last year's defense was around. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I think that Kent State's able to move the ball a little bit more. Or at least capitalize when they were able to move the ball. What'd they end up on third down tonight? I'm looking right now. They, uh, see, I know what OU was. Third down, six of sixteen. OU was three for twelve. Yeah, like that's not great. It was but. six of eleven, so they went they went zero for five to yeah. finish the game. But still, I mean, I it it was another positive step. They've allowed thirteen points in what eight quarters now to start the year. Uh, it's it's obvious that this defense is playing better than they were a year ago. What's interesting is they've played two pretty mobile quarterbacks with good arms. Yeah. And they're going to play another mobile quarterback who throws sure. the ball well against Nebraska. Sure. And then they're going to play Adrian Martinez. Okay. Like, this defense is going to be well-versed in mobile quarterbacks. K-State beat the shit out of Missouri today. I don't think Missouri's any good. Yeah. But that's going to be a big boy football game in two weeks. Now, obviously, you got to get through the first uh, road trip and the experience of Lincoln. And those fine folks had a fun day in, uh, in Nebraska today. I mean, it was a great day of football. Oh, it was awesome. I mean, A&M I mean, loses. And it just broke my heart to see that. How did you handle Texas-Nebraska? Or Texas-Alabama? I was, I was here watching it with the uh, the fam. They came by the office, and it was like, I, I don't really know like how to how to handle this. Like yeah. it's, it's kind of the... Uh, I thought Texas played well. I thought Alabama played awful for, you know, basically three quarters. And then the Heisman Trophy winner showed up. Yeah, Bryce Young was amazing when they really needed him. Will Anderson comes up with the sack to force the uh, the field goal. But even like when Alabama gets the ball back with a minute thirty left or whatever whatever it was, it was like you just kind of felt like Bryce Young was going to lead him down the field. I didn't think that he over, was going to make the play that he did. Overriding thing that I take from that game: is Texas is good on defense, man. Yeah, Texas looks good. They more than anything, they look competent. Yeah, and I think that you know from where that thing was a year ago, it's. Obviously, kind of like Oklahoma, step in the right direction. They now, just didn't make enough plays to win the game. We know how that goes. You know, they lose Quinn Ewers. Uh, Hudson Card comes in. He's banged up. Like, 
that was probably the most surprising part is after Quinn Ewers got hurt, Alabama just seemed like was never able to take advantage and mm-hmm. credit to Texas defensively. But I just wonder what way does this go? Like, does it now well, that's become a question. thing where the offense regresses? Sure. Uh, the defense gets tired of, you know, trying to hold it together and they become kind of a mediocre team. I think that's the biggest question right now with Texas is what they do next week against UTSA. And it's well, weird to and say the it biggest like question that. is when does when when does Quinn Ewers come sure. back? Because I, I wouldn't imagine they're not a big twelve they're not a big twelve championship type team unless they have Quinn Ewers. Probably not. Quinn Ewers look good. Yeah, he looks he really looked good. pretty good. And he's not like a he doesn't have like a rocket arm. Uh, but he's so accurate, yeah. and his deep ball is amazingly yeah, good. He looked good. I'm I, just saying, Arch Manning might start checking your options. They, uh, it, you know, and the thing about it too is, is it just like Arch and on, by the it's way. always it's Hashtag. always in the back of my mind. It's like, is this good? How good is this going to be for Texas recruiting? Like they're going to be able to sell that that they you know went toe to toe with Alabama. But again, they're going to have to go out there and like, how do they handle? Success because this is a program that hasn't had that much success. The troubling, the troubling thing for that Alabama team today is Texas has two receivers, and that's more than Alabama has. Yeah, they they struggled. I mean, Xavier Worthy is something that Alabama doesn't like. If Alabama had Xavier Worthy, they're like they were last year, but Texas has them. And yeah. then uh, I always forget. I was it's Whittingham, right? That was hurt last year, and now he's back. He he yeah, played really so. well today. But other than Gibbs, I mean, what other explosive players did you see Alabama throw out there? I mean, Jace McClellan had a great run. But, like, when that happened and they go up, what was it, 10-3? Mm-hmm. At the time, I thought to myself, like, oh, boy. Here, Here's the slow here march to the, death. Yeah. And then it just never came around. It never came around. Like, somebody had tweeted during the middle of the third quarter Quinn Ewers was still the leading passer of the game. Hudson Card finally overtook him, and I think Bryce Young did too. But I think today what Texas did is they sent a message. And it's a me- it's not an off-season message like beating Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. This is a real message. This is the most real message that Texas has sent anyone. No, it, it, they played well enough to win the game. I mean, they, they, they truly they did. They could have, if not for one play by Bryce Young. I tweeted it during the game, game. but there is something like beautiful about college athletics and college football specifically when a team is told that they can't be on the same field as somebody Mm -hmm. for seven months and then all of a sudden they play, I don't want to say the game of their lives, but they play extremely well. They played extremely focused. I did hear that uh, Gary Patterson has been doing two things since in during his time in Austin. Game planning for Alabama. Game planning for Alabama and game planning for Oklahoma. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I, I give it up to Steve Sarkeesian, though, too. Yeah. I mean, he came out with all kinds of shit to throw at Alabama. I'm sure that there's stuff like when you work in that Saban tree that like you, you pick you think, up and you're like, I'm going to save this for one day. I'm going to play this bitch. Do you think like other... Uh, what do they call the place? Uh, the coach's graveyard or whatever. Like, do you think other coaches that have been in that, like Butch Jones, like they were secretly helping him during the off season? Like that Kirby Smart was. I think you stuff. either hate him or you love him. I don't know where Sark falls in that. Kirby probably wouldn't help him because he's the only coach to beat him, other yeah. than Jimbo. Yeah, probably so. I, I could see Jimbo like sending Sarkeesian, hey, try this. How's Jatavian Sanders only have three receptions for four yards? Yeah. 
don't know. I did see Drew Sanders sack Spencer Rattler today. Yeah, that was uh, it, it. I love Shane Beamer, but that that operation doesn't look very clean right now. They didn't embarrass themselves. No, but they they, didn't. they were never in that game. No, and I I saw one of the throws that uh, Rattler had that got picked off in the end zone. Yeah, it was, it was, it was like good. the most Spencer Rattler to Austin Stogner. Like if you would have just thrown it here, he threw it into triple coverage. Yeah, like. It's six foot seven, Austin Stogner. Give him at, a chance. At some point, you gotta learn, and it doesn't seem like Spencer Rattler, from what I've seen. I've, it, I've, it I haven't like, sat yeah, around and watched like, a lot of it. it. He looks like a guy that can't read coverages or yeah. can't read a field in front yeah. of him. He can't. He can't. He, he does not have the ability to see someone coming open, and it doesn't get any any easier because they got Georgia coming to town next oh, week. Oh man. But no, Wait, I, I thought Kent State plays Georgia. Uh, Kent State plays Long Island. Oh, nice for them! And then and then they go down to Athens in two weeks. So it, uh, I think it's their home opener. They'll be back home for the first time in what, like thirteen days? Kent State because they were stayed up in Tulsa all week. I they didn't have a water problem at their place, did they? Where? Was that Jackson State? Oh yeah, that was down in Mississippi. Yeah, yeah, that was down in Mississippi. I Kent State is a nice ball club. They, they'll compete in. In Mac, what was it? Fifty-five twenty-one, Washington, something like that. Yeah, and they turned the ball over three times. Yeah. Like, and I think Washington turned all three of those turnovers into touchdowns. And one was the first play of the game. First I play think. of the game. Yeah, yeah, we were sitting out in the office when that happened. So, I don't know. I mean, you know, just kind of getting back to the Oklahoma stuff. I thought that I, unless we want to make fun of Jimbo for a while, we could do that. But <laughs> you know, somebody that two guys that by the way, real quick. I mean, I can only imagine what the NIL uh, brotherhood at A&M is, is thinking tonight. I mean, they're spending... As they go back to their they're, mansions. They're not and, exactly getting a lot of ROI right now. No. No. But that's the thing, like, I just think, how I bad think, can this get for A&M? Are they 8-4? and four? I don't think Haynes King's very good. No, he's like, not. I just don't think he's a very good quarterback. And I, I mean, I'm, I would love to get Josh's thoughts, and we will on the unofficial 40 this week. But it just seems like he's not going to develop very much under Jimbo. I mean, what quarterback has? Jameis Winston. And Jameis Winston's a great athlete. Like, a great he's a good quarterback. He's an idiot savant. Yeah. Like, I mean, the guy can throw the shit out of the football. And that's it. Yeah. Let's see what New Orleans does this year with him. Michael Thomas. Chris Olave. Uh, yeah, I mean... I, no, but anyway, back to OU. No, the the two guys that I thought came in in the secondary that played pretty well tonight, Demon Harmon. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, it's good to see him starting to play a little bit more. He was Demon Harmon was he was fourth on the team in tackles. Let me think. One, two, three, four. Yeah, fourth. Josh put it a, a great way in the uh, the report card on the board. He's starting. It looks like he's starting to force himself onto the field. Like you yeah. just got to keep him out there at some point. And uh, I thought I thought going into the season, like he was that guy that like, okay, he's just going to be a washout. Yeah. I just never really knew what he was going to be. No. And the other guy, I mean, it's pretty obvious. Justin Harrington's getting more and more comfortable out there. Yes. How do they get him on the field more, though? Like, I just... It was interesting that Ted Roof was like, whatever you want to call him tonight. Like, they're still not settled on exactly what he is to this defense. I just put him at the nickel or the cheetah or whatever you want to call yeah. it. Like, it seems like that's a fit. He can cut the one play that 
I could see why they are hesitant was he broke on a play behind in the behind the line of scrimmage and just completely whiffed playing it like almost closer yeah. inside. Yeah. But outside, like the the pick, was the last time you made a you saw a guy make a beat on the ball like he did. Or at least from what I could tell, in my I don't know if he it might the ball might have been thrown right to him. I think I was coming down when this happened. But it was a nice play. It just looks like he's starting to become more and more comfortable. And, you know, I think that. Look, I don't have a problem with anybody in the secondary tonight. I mean. No. Jane Davis. DJ, DJ Graham got a lot of playing time tonight. DJ I, Graham I think we've kind of ignored well. that. Yeah. And it's not, it doesn't seem like they're displeased with Jaden Davis. They just, gave Jade, they just gave DJ Graham a lot of time tonight. And he was out there with the starters a lot of the time. Yeah. I thought Woody played well. I mean, yeah. but we're talking about guys that you don't necessarily see because they're not getting burnt deep. They're like not. Woody guys got tested them. a couple times early, and then they just went, yeah. they were like, "Okay, we can't get that guy." And you know, I, maybe it's PTSD, but they would have given up a couple big plays this the defense last year, mm-hmm. and they still haven't done that through eight quarters. They haven't given up like that. They've had like some thirty. Like plus they gave up that play. third and long on the sideline where the guy. It was a great play. Yeah, the quarterback threw the sidearm, and the yeah. guy tiptoed it in. Yeah, like at some point, you just got to go, yeah, that's a hell of a play. Yeah. Congrats. But they were able to find answers when they needed to today. And like like you said at the beginning, I just want to continue watching Danny Stutzman. Like the guy <laughs> is, I mean, that's, that's the linebacker I think that everybody is kind of sort of wanted for a while at Oklahoma. I saw um, former... Stud linebacker at Oklahoma back in the in the he was the he was the next Brian Bosworth uh, Dante Jones. Oh really? Uh, he was uh, Danny Stutzman was saying something about buying those stupid you know one hundred forty dollar jerseys with his name on it and uh, Dante Jones answered him and he said like I'll buy one when you get join the All American Club because Dante was an All American uh, and then all the stuff came about how the players were only making like four dollars off of that. Uh, but it is interesting, like guys like Dante Jones, like he's a real, real, like he's not going to be messing around with it. And he said, I predicted him to be the next great linebacker a year ago. Yeah. So like linebackers are recognizing Danny Stutzman. It just seems like he's, he's reacting. Like you said, he's reacting to stuff and he's seeing stuff so well right now. And he talked about this, uh, with Ryan Abrams asking him after the game about it. It's like Brent, when he came in. He basically sat Danny down and was like, are you willing to make sacrifices to be one of the best linebackers in the country? And I, he really had to like sit down and like kind of look himself in the mirror and say like, there's some things that I need to cut out of my life and get my ass into this film room and basically kind of grind it out almost. And I yeah. think that like Brent's, obviously he's always going to be hard on him. I thought it was really funny after the fourth down stop. You know, it's a great moment. They've come up with this big stop. And Brent Venables is the first one to meet Danny Stutzman. And instead of like slapping him on the ass, he's like chewing his ass out mm-hmm. about something. And yeah. Probably like, why aren't you like, doing this? Why aren't you plays doing that? Before. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that it takes, it certainly takes a certain type of person to want to be coached like that. And just from getting to know like Steve Stutzman and like kind of Danny kind <laughs> of a little bit, it feels like they love that idea. Like they, they, they're football yeah. guys. They love that kind of stuff. I've got a really good Danny Stutzman merch idea. I don't know. Did you ever, would you, did you ever, I, I imagine your dad probably definitely read the article in Sports Illustrated about Brian Bosworth. 
Uh, and there's a really famous picture in there where he's uh, leaning up against a white Corvette. And he said, I think the story was something like he used to work in a GM factory. Uh, and what they would do is they would like hang these bolts by a string inside the doors of the Corvette to drive people insane, wondering what that noise was. This is messed up people. But like he, and so there's a picture of him like out in front of like an oil derrick. It's no, a I've great seen, picture. I've definitely seen the picture. Like before, if you yes. looked at Brian Bosworth white Corvette, you'd yeah. you'd probably I've, find I've it. Def- I'm I'm familiar with the picture. But I don't think I, I've ever read the article. Though. I told Wallace Marsh, who produced the the thirty for thirty for Bosworth. Yeah, like I want to recreate that photo with Danny Stutzman if he becomes really good. Oh, I'm sure that he would. I'm sure that he would love that. That would be a great. Like I want to bring posters back, like kids buying posters on their wall, like they used to with the NBA players, like Michael Jordan with his tongue out. So we're just completely uh, gonna push nfts to the side like it fuck it, nfts we're yeah we're NFTs. doing posters yeah I, I like that posters like used to go to walmart and they had this bin and this is like it goes all the way back to like uh farrah fawcett and well i mean it, hell it goes all the way back to uh shawshank redemption sure. when the guy broke out of his sure. cell we need to bring posters back i need to ask toby if like i would imagine teddy Le- there's nobody more happy about Danny Stutzman than Teddy. Yeah, Lee. yeah. I bet like that. Oh, you just radio makes his just heart like, just melt. Yes, absolutely. Although he's probably a little bit like Brent. Like, well, he could have done this better. I'm sure he is. I'm <laughs> sure he is. But that's a good thing. Like, that's where this defense needs to continue to be. I thought Isaiah Coe played pretty well, making yes. his first start of the yeah. of the year. He played well. And uh, it seems like Jalen Redmond's starting to. He is kind of come along. He is. He had. Uh, I, I want to say he had he was in the tackle for loss category. It might have been just one, but it was a good one. Yeah, down no, he had two south. and a half. He had two and a half. It was tackles down in the, down in the south end zone. Mm-hmm. Was a really good one. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, he he. I think it was they were putting in that 31 at running back, the kind of the big guy that mm-hmm. Bradford, I think his name was, mm-hmm. uh, and he just stuffed him one time. He only had two tackles, but I I felt like Jeffrey Johnson was around the football quite a bit tonight too. Yeah, and. You have to get a lot of rotation from those guys. I was surprised. Like it, it almost it kind of reminded me of last year, like in a bad way, I guess. How they were like they were line changing almost at points. Yeah, yeah. But they they were able to get away with it, and they want to get guys snaps. And you know, overall, again, it was a pretty positive night. I I it's it's really hard for me to sit here and bitch, but man, that first and second quarter were just a drag. Yeah, but it's the second game of the no, I whole get it. Yeah. era. Yeah, new, 100%. New 100%. systems on both sides of the ball. Well, and it just shows how hey, spoiled Billy Bowman is. had a great return on kickoff, and then Marvin Mintz had an Marvin even Mintz better Marvin had a really good return. return. Yeah. I, I the think only special teams negative was Michael Turk tonight. He was not good. 22 yards. I don't yards know what happened on that, on that 22-yard punt. Now, I will say, he was going back into, that's going back into a really strong north wind. That wind really picked up it, as the game went along. It was very, like... It, when that cold front blew through, you could feel it. Like it was like one of those, like mm-hmm. where you're outside and you immediately. The flags feel it. were pegged up in yeah. the north end zone. Yeah, it was. It was really windy. Like there was a point where I was like, kind of shaking, uh, holding the camera a little bit. As games go along, you know, running the Sooner Scoop Twitter account, it is. It's pretty fascinating, and sometimes I have to stop checking the mentions because it was like after the first two offensive series, it was like. Lebby, I'm not sold on Lebby. He's not the answer. And then after three series, it was like, we need to look at somebody else besides Dylan Gabriel. 
Um, and it's just perfect. It's just it's a lot of complaining and whining and moaning. Uh, now, and it's it, it's it's like instantaneous feedback of people that just say awful things. Sure. Well, but I'm going to say this. That's a coping mechanism. Yeah, I'm going to say this. You're mad. Well, you're doing some therapy these days. I do that. I do the same thing. Yeah, uh, but I'm going to tell you, I draw the line at one criticism from tonight. The LED lights were fantastic. I, awesome. I don't want to hear any bitching about it. Absolutely. I don't care if they give you a seizure, all right? You're just going to have to deal with it or not go to the games. Well, don't, I, I don't want you at the games if you're bitching about that kind of stuff. <laughs> Truly. It, it, I've never, and again, this, this might be a little bit over the top, but I don't know if I've ever been at a state at an OU game, at least in the last five, six, seven, eight years that had that type of atmosphere with mm-hmm. OU up by 30 points. And well, in a, in a game that had no atmosphere in the first half, 100%, absolutely none. Like there were points in the third quarter that I was like, it's loud. Yeah. It's loud in here. Which and everybody stayed. Yeah, credit to the students. Now that the it was nice out, beautiful night after yeah. that cold front. It was almost through, I would almost say it was almost chilly walking back. No, to the it car. was. But there were like I thought the I thought the crowd was great. I thought the in game stuff with like the music. Mm-hmm. I know it's not exactly what people want, but they weren't playing. You know. They ch- they were changing it up, yeah. Yeah, like they've done a really good job. I mean, job I don't know that. if the Toby Keith song is going to become OU's Sweet Caroline or not. Listen, there is only one Oklahoma breakdown. And I know. I love, what was that? I love Toby. I, so that was like a play, but did Mike Hosty write that song? It, well, I, they, I think they said that they like co-sang it maybe, but... That's not Oklahoma Breakdown. If you're breakdown. playing Oklahoma Breakdown, it either needs to be Hosty, live from the deli, or... The Stony Larue, like I, yeah, I, I love you, Toby. I, agree. I love you, but we can't be doing that. I know. I, There's I, only I, one Oklahoma breakdown. I would, I would rather have Hosty doing it. I think that'd be sweet. A little red cup action. Yeah, it it was good though. I I thought like for as much as we like to bitch about the in game inter, uh, they're trying entertainment and, and they're letting and Malcolm. Uh, I mean, they're letting Malcolm be more vocal, more involved. Yeah, I, so. I like that. I think so. And although he, I got to say, I, I saw Malcolm throw out the yellow the uh, the gold Whataburger ball tonight. I hope he was screwing around with that being his throwing motion. It looked awful. I'll talk to him. About I, it. I'll talk to tell him. Tell Malcolm about it at, he can uh, have throwing. I'll talk lessons. to him about it at Christmas. <laughs> uh, I love Malcolm though. He's great. No, uh, he's awesome, and he does a great job hyping. And that's the thing. Like with the LED lights, it makes it more when he's on the mic and screaming. It it doesn't seem as forced or hokey or whatever. They're they're one hundred percent trying to get people involved. They're trying to. They're. Listen. I would just say this. Can we please get? Chris Plank, some updated scores. Like, oh, were they bad? I didn't even notice them. That's the thing. I guess it doesn't matter because we're in the press box. We're yeah. keeping track of everything. Yeah. So he's always like a touchdown behind. Oh, is he really? Yeah. That's funny. I and that's not on him. He's got. He's doing the broadcast. I mean, he's got all kinds of stuff going on. But I thought it was got to be though. a system to make it the 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 scores to him faster. It was. I thought it was a really good atmosphere tonight. And it was for, for as as how things started for it to get to where it did. Good stuff. We just we just we just take everything and not rip it apart, but we analyze every little piece. Yeah, I I thought it was good. Like and we're not we're not. Listen, we can't sit here and bitch about the atmosphere 
And then when they do try to make changes and they're trying to get people involved yeah. they're, and they're listening to people's recommendations, you know, I saw that they like were asking people what music they want to hear. I know they're not going to like sit there and play the songs that I think everybody in like my generation would want, but like Mr. Brightside and you know, yeah, like the, but they are trying and credit where, you know, credit is due. I thought the light stuff was, it's an investment that. And by the way, good. You know, you hear LED lights. It was pretty clear to me from the press book. They're brighter than the old lights. Very much right. Yeah. Very much brighter. And I mean, you're shooting reason, down there. You would know. For some reason, I feel like they were brighter in the north end zone. Really? Than they were in the south end zone. I don't know why. It just hmm. kind of felt like they were. I don't know. Maybe that was just like completely. That could be because, I mean, the south end zone is more surrounded. Yeah. I don't know. I, I thought it looked good, though. It, it looks really strong. And, you know, hopefully they get more. Involved. Involved, yeah. Yeah, they'll figure it out. We, we talked to Joe afterwards, and he was like, look, it's just a, it's a first step. Like There there was a point like where that they start blanking him for the first time. I was like, it, it kind of like shook me for a second because I, I wasn't ready for it. Yeah, I mean, I was like, when it got dark, I was like, okay, are they going to do something with the lights? And then they kind of half did it one time. I was like, okay, they need to do better than that. Yeah. And then they, they got better as it went along. And then the, I, I will say this about people in Oklahoma. We love turning on the lights on our phone. That was pretty impressive. It was pretty cool. I, I tweeted out a picture of it. Uh, it was almost like kind of impromptu. I don't know. Were they asking people to do that? I think Malcolm said something okay. like, like okay. turn I, your lights I, on. I completely missed him. that. But it was cool. Like, I, I thought it was good. And, you know, the beat goes on. Now they're headed up to Lincoln this week, which... It's... it's oh, it, it, man. I mean, it's Scott a little Frost. disappointing because... This, I mean, you scheduled these series so far out. I mean, yeah, like and last year was the big 50th anniversary of the game of the century. And like, this is how it's going to end. Like, well, and I, you know, I'm going to spend all week talking about like, don't expect that Nebraska team that's gotten beat by Northwestern or Georgia State or Georgia Southern to show mm -hmm. up. But at the end of the day, it kind of is what it is. They gave up the most yards in Memorial Stadium history today. These are two teams going in different directions. Uh, Nebraska was awful today. Nebraska is yeah. not a good football team. No. If this is an OU football team that, you know, people want to say is going to go be a Big 12 champ or, you know, get to a college football playoff or compete for a national title, you go up and win by a couple touchdowns. Bottom line. I, I think Nebraska has reached that, 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 that place with Scott Frost where, like, you're hurting the program you, the longer you keep It's not salvageable. No. Yeah. Like, it's... It's be like there's nothing that you can do. There's no uh, amount of recruiting classes you can bring in here that's going to allow us to have a winning culture. Well, and I mean, who is who's signing up for that? Like it's it's just so yeah, bad. Yeah, you're not right going to get great recruiting classes. No, you're you're hurting the program. And let's be honest, if it wasn't because of uh, dollar signs, Scott Frost would already be. He wouldn't even have started right. this year. His, he would have fought. He well, you say his already. buyout is so large, they want to wait. Until it's more manageable for yeah, them to I, fire. Him. I saw somebody tweet it during the game. It's like they might as well just schedule the tweet for October first when the clock hits midnight because that's, that's when, when the, the buyout, buyout goes down in. and they can do it. And it just so happens to be coming off of a bye week for Nebraska. Yeah, he's a dead man walking basically. Which, which I would think, and you know, who knows if the Nebraska players even want to keep him around? But they're going to throw everything at Oklahoma next week. Sure. Yeah. Everything. You got to be ready for everything. He probably, he, there's probably nothing Scott Frost can do to save his job, but for he and his staff, 
guarantee they think this is the only way they can save their job yeah. is beating Oklahoma. They must have just been awful today. 630-something yards to Georgia Southern. I, I know Clay Helton's a pretty good offensive coach, but my God. Yeah. I mean, that's just – it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing even for Nebraska standards. Let me ask you this. What did you think about uh, the way that Jeff Lebby kind of handled things post-game? Now, now what did he I, – I was, I was okay, over with players. Okay, you were players. players. Okay. So what, what did Jeff say after the game? Because it seemed like – he wasn't defensive. No, by any there means, were there but, was no panic. Uh, but you know, he just admitted, like you know, that wasn't very good, and nobody was happy. And uh, you know, it, it basically that at halftime they kind of had you know he was he was glad that they kind of listened to what he had to say because it sounds like what he had to say wasn't very pleasant. Well, it, it seemed like everybody, even in the stands, and they had to feel the same way heading into the locker room. You took a deep breath after. You know, you get the ball back, and I think Shin asked uh, John Shin asked Brent about this about after the game. It's like they're taking timeouts there with the intention to get the ball back, and then they hit Mims, boom, 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 and then all of a sudden it's like, well, I guess they maybe do have an opportunity to go score here. Mm-hmm. They weren't going to settle for a field goal. Yeah, I mean that was big. I mean scoring before halftime, I think gave them some confidence to to check. But I mean, really, it comes down to from up top. Are they just not getting any push? Like offensive line wise, or they're they not, missing blocks. They're not. They're missing blocks. They're not getting any push. They're not. Like today, it was kind of a. It was kind of a split level. I mean, they were playing three up front and then playing three or two linebackers behind them or four, and it was like they had trouble getting to the second level. They had yeah. trouble, get, you know, reaching those linebackers and the defensive linemen that they did have in their face. They were passing them off to other offensive linemen and they weren't doing their job taking care of. It was just, it was dis, disjointed, discombobulated, whatever dish you want to throw in there. Yeah. It just didn't look good. And it's then just ugly. It's ugly. And then they finally started getting some plays on the ground and it kind of snowballed a little bit. And Eric Gray started looking better. Marcus Major started looking better. They got to figure it out, man, because, I mean, I think you could... I will say this. I mean, I, I, I watched closely that Nebraska-Northwestern game. The, their defensive line is probably the weakest part of their, their roster. They're not good. And, you, and Northwestern pushed them around. I mean, that's my one thing. With this Oklahoma team, if they can't run the ball on Nebraska, they're going to have problems. I don't know how they're going to move the ball against Texas if they can't move it against Nebraska. What about Ken, what about Kansas State? I mean, I th- Oh, their defensive line is unbelievable. Kansas State will That's come the best in, part of their team. They'll come into Norman and do something that everybody has seen. They'll shut down that offense. Yeah, absolutely. And you can't just sit there and pick and pop over, you know, to Barbara Mims every time. I, right. I think Kansas State's a little bit more disciplined than Kent State. Yeah. So, I mean, well they have they have enough players up front where they can just commit everybody to the back end. I would make the argument that the next four weeks for Oklahoma, I mean, I, I know that's kind of a big sample size, but we're going to be sitting here in, you know, just over a month's time saying, this is what Oklahoma is. And the next four games at Nebraska, and then obviously Kansas State at home to open conference play, and then the two back-to-back DFW trips with TCU and Texas, you're going to have a pretty good idea of what this thing is. I'm month. just glad Oklahoma's not playing Kansas in the next four games. How about the fighting Jayhawks today? The Lance Leopolds. Lance Leopold, uh, not great for Neil Brown. Not great at all. No, 
he dropped that game to Pitt that he shouldn't have dropped. I haven't seen what the uh, the final number would be, but I would imagine that was Kansas's first road conference victory in five years, six years, seven years. I mean, I'm talking thousands of days. Yeah. Right? I think so. Oh, no. I guess last year. <laughs> they won at Austin. They won in Austin. Okay. I'm an idiot. And they've won in Lawrence. But still. I mean, fairly impressive. I saw somebody throw it out there. Can Kansas get to a bowl game? Let's pump the brakes on that. But it's pretty obvious that Lance Leopold's a pretty good football coach. Yes. I mean, to, be getting, to have Kansas playing like they're somewhat competent is a step in the right direction for that program. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, he had them playing well last year. They beat Texas. They were beating Oklahoma at halftime. There's, there's something special about a coach that can, you know, to a certain extent, get people's attention still when you're a bad football team. Or at least keep them bought in. The only bad part about today is a certain team in Southern California look pretty good. I'm not ready to have that conversation. <laughs> My buddy sent me a uh, screenshot of a USC uh, tweet or Instagram post after the game, and they were bragging on the quarterback having more touchdown throws than uh, incompletions. And I was just like, right. I, I just don't think I can do that right now. <laughs> they do look pretty good, though. We'll see what they – Oregon State had a nice walk-off victory. We were watching the end of that before we started the Baylor. podcast. Oh, God, Baylor. Baylor, I don't know what they're doing. I know that we were both just like, what the hell are they offensively trying to do? I ran it over 50 times tonight up in Provo. The Big 12, Big 12 might just be a shit show this year. I think it's going to be. I thought Oklahoma State – I didn't obviously didn't watch the game because it was at the same time, but uh, – I had it on my laptop. 34-17. Seems like they played pretty good against Arizona State. I don't think Arizona State's a very good football team, but, uh, you know, once conference play starts, this thing is about as wide open. You could make an argument to me that three, four, five, maybe six teams could win this thing. Yeah. And I still think Baylor's a decent football team. I think BYU might not be bad at all. We'll see. You know, I, there's going to be a lot of buildup going into the uh, game this next week up in Lincoln, and then you, the, the fun really begins. I, you know, I, I think that you would hope that OU can take care of business up there, and then we'll see what they got. We'll see what they got because Kansas State's coming down, and that's going to be a, a really kind of nice test to see what that offensive line and defensive line look like. Well, you will be there. Uh, Bob will be there, thanks to uh, Eskridge Lexus. Uh, and uh, we're very proud to have them as our official travel partner. 100%. And sponsor of Sooner Scoop uh, post games, the Sooner Scoop post game pod, the Oklahoma Sooners post game pod. There you um, go. I understand we've had some issues with Apple, where this week that should all be fixed. So I'm not going to Nebraska. So I will be working on that all week. Uh, but here's the thing with the Eskridge, uh, Lexus, you know, they've, they've got the new NX out. Uh, everybody, I, if you've heard me talk before, I've got the, uh, IS, uh, F sport, love it. Uh, mine's the 2021, you know, performance package, limited slip diff, no big deal. Um, it's not the 500, but I like mine better. Uh, but you know, they don't have a lot of cars right now. The, their inventories are still pretty limited. Uh, they are improving, and they've got more new vehicles that are coming in every every week. Uh, now, since their car inventories have been so limited, 
they've been stocking up on Lexus L certified pre-owned vehicles. And uh, all their Lexus L certified vehicles come with an unlimited mile full factory warranty with up to six years, six years of coverage. Uh, L certified cars also come with uh, four free services, free car washes, and use of brand new Lexus loaner vehicles while your car is in our service department. I'm taking mine in for service next week, and it's awesome uh, to be able to, you know, just drive home a Lexus uh, and uh, until yours is ready. And unlike other dealers, Eskridge Lexus never charges over MSRP, so they're not going to pop you for like a five, ten, twenty grand, uh, you know, extended charge because hard, their cars are so hard to get. They never charge a dock fee. Uh, or make you pay for accessories that you really didn't want. So visit EskridgeLexus.com for the most up-to-date inventories or to book your next service appointment. I've done it both, you know, both of those through my Lexus app, uh, the uh, Lexus Inform app. It's fantastic. And, uh, yeah, just give give those guys a call. Go check them out, EskridgeLexus.com, and they'll put you in line for a brand-new Lexus or uh, get you a really good L-certified Lexus. I'm looking at Sean Callahan's uh, grades for Nebraska today. Mm-hmm. Rushing offense, A. Passing offense, A. Rushing defense, F. Passing defense, F. <laughs> Tell of two sides of the ball there. Georgia Southern had 233 rushing yards. Uh, what else? 642 total offense. Third most ever allowed by a Nebraska defense in school history. Yeah. I mean, we've seen them play a little bit. I mean, they're awful. They don't have good running backs. It, it sounds like it was the same thing as the Northwestern game, Casey too. Thompson is about. They just look like they're, like they're just incapable of stopping in, anybody. And in, in almost they're playing like on a beach or something. They can't move. Yeah. Which would think you would think that Oklahoma would maybe this is the type of game that Eric Gray would really excel. They get him seem, out in space. They seem kind of like a team that recruited really big players at positions like linebacker and safety because they play in the Big Ten. But that's also their biggest detriment is those guys sure. are slow. Yeah. No, they're just playing a quicksand. Should be an interesting trip. It's been a while since I've been there. I, I, I'll, I'll say this. This has got to be the most down Nebraska football has been since pre-Bob like Bob Devaney days. Yeah, I mean they're ready to. This fire is their coach. this is one of the worst eras in Nebraska football history, and hand up, I mean, I thought it was going to be different. I really did. Like, I, thought, I mean, we we were going there in the Bill Callahan era, which it wasn't great, but it wasn't like this. No. I mean, you were still not far removed from the Tom uh, um, Osborne, yeah. uh, Frank Solich eras. Yeah. Well, I just like like I, they felt like they really weren't that far away. Nebraska fans now have to feel like they may never see a championship again in, in football. Well, I, I, you know, Brent talked about it after the game, just as far as idolizing them, idolizing growing Nebraska growing up. Like I, I think that you know there is a lot of people out there that Nebraska football there in the late '80s, you know, and then obviously the early '90s. That was like that was it. That's what everybody aspired to be. And it's not even like Penn State bad no they're just like it's even way more hopeless than that but penn state's not very hopeful it, it it's kind of like we talked about with callahan what was it when we did the the one-on-one podcast uh before the game last year mm -hmm. uh you and i did it it just is like it's it seems like it's a fan base that it, fucking fly it's just all up in my shit <laughs> 
God. <laughs> it's like a baby fly. It's so annoying it's and like, hyper. Either that or there's a million of them in I here. I think it might have gotten your beer. He can have it. It it just seems like they're they're still trying to do the same things that they did in the mid-90s. And I know that's not accurate, but from the outside looking in, they're, Nebraska, it seems like, is always trying to chase what they had as opposed to creating something that they can have. I don't know. It, There's no reinvention in yeah, their minds. It, it's all... And it's just like they want to be the black shirts. They want to be this team in the 90s or the early 2000s that was dominant, and they haven't looked themselves in the mirror almost. I thought Scott Frost was going to be really good. Or at least competent enough to not be fired maybe five games yeah. into the season. He was a good coach at UCF. I don't know, man. It's just, it's just it, it makes you wonder if it's not just the program, not just the. Are there bigger problems than just coaching? Yeah, like is it is it a systemic thing? Yeah, and it very well could be. I don't know. I mean, I. And again, I, we we basically wrote the eulogy for Nebraska football, and they're going to play out of their minds next week. Yeah, yeah. But I think Oklahoma's used to that. They get their best shot from everybody. And that's no what Brent was saying go. today. Like, yeah. Oh, I think that it's 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 super fascinating, and we're going to talk to the players on Monday and Tuesday this week, just kind of like how much Brent feeds in to this idea. Like, I, I would think that Brent, from a motivation standpoint, I guess I'll put it this way. I'd be very, very shocked if this team's not ready to play on Saturday. Yeah. You know, I like it just seems like this, like the mindset and everything that's going to go into this game and the first road trip, it seems like something that Brent as a head coach would really excel at. Well, and it's interesting, too, because this really is their first biggest disappointment of the season. Everything's been pretty smooth. Like, sure. Game number one, it was like nobody knew it was going to happen. It was like, OK, we, we got Brent didn't even know how to be a head coach. Like, OK, we got through that. It wasn't perfect. We didn't expect it to be perfect, but here's all the stuff we have to get better at. Now it's like, okay, well, we just tried to tell you guys that we needed to get better, and we got worse in the first half. Well, the one thing that I did appreciate was they didn't run away from the fact that they were shit in the first half. Yeah. They accepted it. Said, yeah, that was some adversity. We're close. Yeah, like, and and as you were saying that, it kind of just dawned on me that, like, they definitely owned it. They're like, yeah. It wasn't good. We know it wasn't good. It wasn't a. There's a. You guys don't. In, you guys don't understand. Yeah. You know that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a difference in saying we're close. I don't know. Maybe there is, and and we're not that far away. Because like we're not that far away. At least admits you're not where you want to be. Sure. When you say we're close, it's like it's almost like saying you don't see it, but we do. Right. And, you know, I guess to a certain extent. Like, no, we all see what we see. I appreciated that they at least stood up there and kind of owned it and said, yeah. Yeah. That, that's not, it wasn't good enough. From, from the coaches to the player, Dylan Gabriel owned it. Sure. I'm sure Marvin Mims owned it sure. over on the side. No, he did. He did 100%. But I, I also think that there's like the sense of they, they knew that it was there. I yeah. just don't know where it was. And I think that's why the offensive line stuff is you you walk out of there it is worrisome how they're playing right now yeah they got to be better no doubt all right it is uh about 2 30 on sunday morning i think we both want to get up I and watch we, baker in the morning i think we started this thing and i, I was looking over you at you as we were like getting ready to start and it's like 
we're both kind of cooked right now. Mm-hmm. Like our brains are just not really working. So I don't even know what we really just said. <laughs> Did you see the guy at the LSU game tonight? Yes. That just I, I only saw field? a little bit of it. I mean, he had to be on drugs. The, the, the play was happening as he was why Nobody noticed him. It's the most like, LSU thing. They, they just let yeah. him walk out. Because I think it was like yellow and he just blended in with the end zone or the field so, or something. So bizarre. So bizarre. And did the play ever reach him? No, they like ran the other side. Okay. It would have been like he was in the south end zone and the play was going towards the north end zone. Okay. You know, vice versa okay. or whatever. It was just... I'm going to have to go like, back what? and catch that. Yeah. Just completely bizarre. Good second I think second it's just week. a night game. I think it's... I think we feel like maybe we did some shrooms or something with those lights tonight. Yeah, we microdosed through the first... <laughs> Through the whole uh, the whole game, is that going to become the next thing? Is like people are going to want to get edibles like for night games? For I don't the know light show. But if anybody wants to, we should give them a gro- a GoPro. <laughs> that could be the next Scoop HD. That feature. could be the next uh, Double Rainbow. That'd be awesome. It was cool though. I, I it was a very enjoyable second week of uh, college football. Yes, it was college great. football delivered again today. And I don't um, even mind that we had to work tonight. I mean, we got no. to see uh, Alabama and Texas, and that was, was I mean, that's game, as man. good as it usually gets on a Saturday. It was a great game. All right, thanks so much for listening to the Eskridge Lexus post game show. Uh, we'll be back again next week with the guys on the road. Thanks to Eskridge Lexus for being our official travel partner, uh, and we will see you guys back here for another episode of the Oklahoma Sooners post-game podcast on Soonerscoop.com.